An entitled Karen claims that she knows our prices better than we do, forcing me to scan and rescan all of her items at checkout, insisting that I was intentionally trying to mess up her order just so she wouldn't get the correct deals. And I've never been treated this way in customer service, and I'm so glad I never have to deal with her ever again. Here's what happened. So I was working yesterday the day after Christmas, which I wouldn't normally be bothered about, but it was the first day of a giant sale going on in the store I work in. And I mean, it was giant. Items that were $3.95 instead of being upwards of $15. Items that were 50% off and 75% off. This was big. It only happens twice a year, so people tend to go crazy when this happens. The store was insanely busy, and we had too many people call out to monitor customers. So, when our store should have only held 40 people, there were probably about 60 to 70 customers at any given point. So, I was told to hop on a register to help control the line, as I'm usually pretty quick about getting people through and have become a master of the whole customer service voice and sucking up to people that come along. Well, as usual, I log into the point of sale system and call out to the customers that I can help whoever's next. This older lady comes up to the counter and places her basket on it. I reach out my hand to grab the first product in it when this other lady, we'll call her the entitled Karen of this story, snatches the basket away and literally shoved it back at the first lady and waved her back to the line. The entitled Karen said, excuse me, I was next. Did she call you by name? I didn't hear her say your name, which means I was next. Yeah, that's right. Get back in line because she didn't call your name. I was next. I have places to be and I have an appointment soon. And at this point, I was already dreading this transaction. I've been working retail long enough to know exactly who is going to be an easy customer and who is absolutely not going to be. My manager by the name of Charlie, that's not their real name, who was working the point of sale system next to me, gave me a look implying that they knew what was about to go down. Putting on my best face of trying to be nice, I greet her and I say, hello, did you find everything okay? The entitled Karen doesn't even answer me and literally just stares at me. She doesn't have a basket and isn't holding anything. I look around the counter in front of me to see if she had already placed something down and I might have missed it, but I didn't. The Karen pointed to the other end of the counter and made some kind of impatient gesture to my coworker and tapped her foot until her two baskets were brought over to me. I was already done with her, so I scanned everything as quickly as possible, just dropping her things in her bag instead of neatly placing them in like I usually do. The entitled Karen was glaring daggers at the pin pad in front of her as I was ringing everything up. I just assumed that she finally realized just how much she was buying. But boy was I absolutely wrong. I told the entitled Karen her total amount and it was around $80. It wasn't too bad for our store considering that this probably would have cost around $150 to $200. She points to something on the pin pad and snaps it me. The entitled Karen says, why is this one $8.25? It should be 75% off. So I double check the item. Maybe I rang it up wrong. It's not unusual for this to happen, especially with how many deals we run at once. But it is in fact a 50% off item and not 75% off. So I tell her just that. She doesn't take that for an answer. She says to me, no, I got all my things from the 75% off tower. It's supposed to be 75% off. I explained to her, miss, I understand that. But somebody must have put this back in the wrong place. It's a bit confusing because this collection is split between 50% off and 75% off towers. Half of it is on one side and the other half is on the other. Another customer must have just forgotten which tower they got it from and put it back on the wrong one. I promise what it's ringing up as is the correct price. The entitled Karen screeches, no, I got it from the right half of the store, not the left. That means it's 75% off. Either adjust the price or I don't want it. I put it in the basket we have behind the counter for unwanted items 
items. Clearly, this entitled Karen doesn't understand how barcodes work, and I don't have the authority to price adjust anything like that. And I'm definitely not going to keep arguing with her about this. This happens for another two products, all literally from the same collection, with me explaining that half are 50% off and the other half are 75% off. But she's getting more and more annoyed. And then we get to the full price items. And by this point, she is absolutely fuming. I try to explain that because she got these items from off the wall and not on a tower somewhere on the floor, that means they're full price. But part of the buy three, get one free deal. But she isn't having it. This entitled Karen says, but it's your big sale. It should be at least 50% off. Mind you, she hasn't even bought anything 50% off yet. Only the 75% off or the items that are marked $3.95. She goes on to say, I thought these would be $3.95. No, ma'am. Only the products on the first table are that price. You got these ones off the wall in the second room. The second room doesn't even have any deals right now. And it's right about then that she said the magic words. Where's your manager? I want to speak to your manager right now. I raise an eyebrow and point directly next to me, where Charlie has been listening this entire time. She's gone through six customers by now and is also getting annoyed just listening to this entitled Karen. Charlie finishes up her transaction and turns to me and the Karen. The entitled Karen says, these aren't ringing up correctly. I got everything off the 75% off table. Once again, Charlie says everything that I already did. Someone must have put it back wrong. It was off the wall, blah, blah, blah. But the Karen is now arguing with her. The Karen says, I know where I got everything. Charlie then says, I was just up there a few minutes ago putting this product out. Like I explained and like how my friend here explained, this collection is split between two towers. Charlie then proceeds to list off exactly what parts of the collection are on the 50% off table and which are on the 75% off table. Something that I wasn't quite sure about, so I never mentioned it to the Karen. So this Karen then says, fine, if it isn't 75% off or $3.95, then I don't want it. Take it off. So I do just that. I take off everything that isn't what she wants. Take the products out of her bag and put them behind me. I tell her the new total, which is about $35, and ask if she's paying with cash or a card. Her eyes narrow. Oh no, she isn't done yet. The entitled Karen then screeches, are those green ones still in there? I check her bag and there's no green product. I turn around and look through the unwanted basket, pulling out a few teal items. Is it these ones that you're looking for? She then says, yes, I actually want those. Green is my favorite color. First of all, these items are body products. You know, something you smell. It doesn't really matter what color they are, as long as you like what it smells like. I have a really bad feeling that in an hour or two, I'm going to have this lady back in my store complaining about wanting a refund. Second of all, these are full price items. I really don't want to have to go through this whole thing all over again. I say to her, Miss, are you sure? This collection is full price. The one's off the wall. She says, yes, I like green. I get those too. So I ring her up again and the total again comes out to about $60. She eventually pays with card and while she's waiting for it to load, she grabs the bag from behind the counter and lifts it up. It's important to note that because she originally had so much product at first, I was handed a large bag, which would be double bagged with a board in the bottom for extra support so it wouldn't rip as easily. And even though there's a giant sale right now, we never seem to run out of large bags. The Karen, of course, noticed this extra detail. She says to me, can I have an extra bag? I'm a bit distracted with the long receipt printing out and I tell her not to worry. It's double bagged. Everything should be fine. And she didn't buy any glass. The entitled Karen then says, no, a small bag. I look at her and I say, oh, the cellophane bags? Sure, but just to let you know, we only have the skinny bags and not the large bags. I can give you a big stack of them 
though, if you want. The Karen then says, no, a small bag. I look up and I see her pointing at the bag that she's holding. Oh, she wanted a paper store bag. Why? They're so ugly and that's what the cellophane is for, specifically for gift wrapping. I look over to Charlie for help because I don't have any small bags at my station right now and neither does she. Charlie shakes her head and mutters to me that we don't have enough to do that today. I say to her, I'm sorry, miss, we can't do that today. We are already running low on bags as it is. The Karen then says, okay, then I'll just give you back this extra one that I already have. I go on to say to her that it's doubled bag large for support and that if she only has one, the bag may rip open and spill everywhere. The Karen then responds and says, I'll just give you the large bag for a small bag. I want a small bag. But again, I say it slowly, ma'am, I can't do that today. Look, there's one right there behind you. I'll just take that one. I look behind me and I see what bag she's talking about. She's right. There's an open and used bag on the counter. It's open and used and not put away because someone's product exploded inside of it. I give Charlie a look who rolls her eyes, grabbed the used bag and practically shoved it towards the Karen. The Karen says, thanks. God, that's all I wanted. Have a blessed one. The second she was out of earshot, Charlie turned to me and congratulated me on keeping my cool. If I didn't desperately need the money, I would have 100% risked my job to scream and cuss her out. I then lived in fear for the rest of my shift that she would come back in and I would have to put up with her all over again. That entitled Karen was seriously obnoxious. Like there's no reason to act like that at the checkout. Just get your stuff and leave. She was being so specific over stuff that was already on sale. Like seriously, you couldn't just get your stuff and get out? Like nobody wants to be there in the first place. The place is already swarming with customers as it is. Like how can you not go up to the front desk and have some semblance of sympathy towards their situation? Like think about it for a second. They have to deal with all these customers as well as all these nuanced prices that honestly could get very confusing. I mean, I know that if that was me, there's no way I would get any of that right. I would be looking at my manager the entire day trying to figure out what these customers want as well as trying to navigate all these sales that are going on. Like honestly, that's a tricky job in and of itself. Anyone who says that it's not is completely foolish. Like seriously, you've never worked retail if you want to say that. It is honestly just so embarrassing watching people act like this in a store. I mean, not only was she not called up to this one window, but she also literally pushed some lady away and was like, no, they didn't call your name. They called my name. Like, lady, what are you talking about? That is insane to me. Here you have a packed store and there's so many people all over the place. Like, this place is crawling with people. There's about 30 more customers than what they're used to at their max. And you've got this weird entitled Karen screaming in your face over like $4 items that probably are really cheap to begin with. I can honestly say that the original poster is way more patient than I am. There's no way I would have been that patient. I would have lost my cool and had to have walked away well before dealing with that lady. She was rude from the get-go. She was hyper-aggressive about everything. She clearly just wanted to get the most money possible and cause the most damage to pretty much whoever was in front of her. So seriously, good for the original poster for keeping their cool. Because what they dealt with was honestly completely unacceptable. And in no situation is that entitled Karen's actions ever justified. If you like Am I the Jerk, you're probably going to love Am I the Genius. Check it out, link down below in the description. Also follow Am I the Jerk on Instagram and Twitter to see all the stories that couldn't make it into the videos. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible 
because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today, I messed up by accidentally starting a cult. Here's what happened. So to start things out, this happened 15 years ago. I was living with my best friend and his family at the time. I was working full time and going to school full time and he was just getting his business off the ground. My friend is absolutely brilliant. He's got a master's degree in some special engineering and can design robots and specialized parts for multi-million dollar machines. His wife has a master's in accounting and maths and can do math that's miles above what I can even imagine. They are two of the most intelligent people I know, and yet they are pretty dumb. They've nearly fallen for rent scams, email phishing, and charity scams, as well as a few other very obvious blatant scams. I love them to death, but they are the type of people that need a lot of support just to get through things. They are also the nicest people I know. They have hearts of gold, regularly giving their time and money to helping people in need. Even though their family and friends have helped them realize that they need to give less money when they have huge debts. Because of this, they are surrounded by a group of amazing people. They have a very strong group of support. They both come from large extended families who remain close and they have tons of wonderful friends. They have helped me so much over the years. I would do anything to help them too. For the sake of anonymity, we'll call them John and Sarah. And obviously, these are fake names. John and Sarah were part of a pretty large church. I attended regularly, but I largely was on the outside looking in. Life kept me busy, too. John and Sarah had been part of that church for their whole lives. Their parents had both been going there since before they were born. It was a regular church. The people were all nice, and they ran a lot of programs that helped people leaving domestic violence, and they held regular offerings in order to help members of the community who were also really struggling. If the church found out that someone in the town has lost a family member, they would reach out and make sure the family had food, clothing, support, and whatever else they needed. So everything was going really well. One day, I was at the church, and the church announced that the pastor was leaving. That wasn't a surprise to anyone. He was old, and his two sons had both moved back to Europe, so his heart was overseas already. I didn't think much of it, but it started a chain reaction that made a lot of the attendees uncomfortable. I saw some political maneuvering happening in in the church, and eventually the church named the new pastor a social worker who had just finished seminary. The new pastor had been attending their whole lives and was mostly tolerated by everyone. They were a member of the New Democratic Party, which has become a very left-wing party, and began using the pulpit to spread very political messages. The church elders sincerely believed that the new pastor was the right choice in leading the church body down a path to reconciliation with the indigenous peoples, but quite honestly didn't realize they should have consulted us first. That's where the first rift started. The indigenous members of the congregation
Administration began to push back against some of the white savior messaging, and it spiraled from there. Within about 18 months, the church was split. Some were supporting the new pastor, other groups had held on to some right-wing garbage, but most people just wanted to go back to doing what the church had always done, without any political distractions. And this is where James comes in. James had been attending for about a decade, and he stood out at every moment. He was tall, he was a beautiful man, he was incredibly articulate, he oozed quiet charisma. When the dude talked, people listened. He was one of the head managers at the regional industry. The guy literally had it all. He drove a fancy car, he had a nice house, he even married the nicest lady ever. He was well admired and well respected, but he struggled with reading people's social cues. I and many others wondered at points if he was a sociopath, but after getting to know him, he was probably a bit on the spectrum. James was one of the active voices during the split. People began flocking to him during the meetings, and he was getting more and more calls to lead various groups and ministries. He called people on their garbage and found himself getting ostracized by the very people attempting to play group politics. He took it hard, but kept doing what he was doing. John and Sarah were the biggest supporters of James. James was really good with John and eventually contracted John to work for the regional industry. John eventually asked James to mentor him and James agreed. John and James became very close, with Sarah becoming really close with James's wife. They saw each other multiple times per week. They always seemed to be planning their next activity or talking about something work-related. I would join them on occasion, but mostly kept to my studies and work. We would all be eating together two to three times a week. Everyone got along fine. Even today, I'm not friends with James, but we still message each other if we need something. At one of these meals, they were talking about the new pastor's political ramblings all during the sermons. And that's about when I came up with the worst suggestion in history. I said, honestly, James, why don't you just do your own Sunday service? I said it flippantly. I wasn't really speaking seriously. But Sarah loved the idea. She got so excited. Even John liked it. James wasn't opposed. I mean, it logically made sense. It was decided by the end of the meal that we were going to make a home church. We wouldn't separate from the main church, but we would let James lead a separate Sunday service from his living room. So we got to work, mainly James, and started to spread the word. First week, six people showed up, and the second week had 25 people in total. And overall, we started to get about 15 people coming each week. They were mostly the young adults from the church. I mean, they craved to have some kind of stability. It grew from there, and James started a men's group, and his wife started a woman's group. We did group activities. We created our own mini activities. We did everything. I wasn't super involved, and I ended up leaving for about two to three months for work after everything had started up. I got an email during that time away asking to meet with the elders of the original church. They are super nice guys, and most of them are still good friends of mine, so I agreed to meet with them once I got back. At that meeting, they asked a lot of questions. They asked who was the spiritual leader of John, and I told them that James was. They asked me who John's emotional support was, and I also said James was as well. They asked me who John's financial support came from, and I told them the same thing. It was all James. I realized during that talk the mistake that we had made. John was completely reliant on James for everything. It wasn't just John either. There was about a dozen other people who were in the exact same position. Their entire lives were dependent on one man, and that one man had the ability to completely destroy them. It went well beyond that too. There was no accountability. James had even begun moving a bunch of the young guys into his rental properties. He had one house for the young women and one house for the young men. Him and his wife would go there daily to guide them and help them. There were a bunch of other red flags that we had missed. I knew James pretty well at this point, and I knew he had done 
done that to other people already. James had a temper and had no problem bringing consequences to people who crossed them. The first guy had done lazy work for James and the second guy attempted to make some advances at James's daughter. Both relied on James for work and emotional support and both found themselves out of work and ostracized from the community when they crossed James. The realization of how much power James had really scared me. James was a good guy. He still is. But there was too much control and influence in his hands without any accountability or checks in place. He ran a community by himself without anyone being able to stop him. I was legitimately afraid. I realized I screwed up in helping get this group off the ground. It wasn't wrong to have a group. It was wrong not to have safeguards in place. I talked to John and Sarah about it that evening and John was about to brush it off but the realization of how vulnerable they were freaked Sarah out to the point where she begged John to expand his business well beyond the industry contacts. John thankfully agreed with her and that started a process in which they reestablished social connections beyond the group. I called James to set up a time to meet with him to confront him but the elders had beat me to it. James was freaked out to realize he had accidentally started a cult so he began the work to legitimize the group. The elders worked with him and the group formally disconnected from the church and joined a denomination of churches to provide oversight and accountability. James kept the group going but did it with support. The group is still going strong today. John and Sarah are still a part of it. James stepped back last year due to burnout but is still part of it as well. I'm not a part of it but I still am besties with John and Sarah and James was even a groomsman at my wedding with Sarah being a bridesmaid. But thankfully we can all look back on it now and laugh at the time that we accidentally started a cult. Yeah, that's really scary. I can't imagine looking up one day and realizing what I accidentally started. Like, I'm sure nobody meant to start a cult. It just kind of happened out of nowhere. Like, the stars aligned and then suddenly, bam, here's a cult. But at least they had the insight to say, wow, wait a second, this is not good. We need to adjust course, like, right now. Otherwise, this seriously could get out of hand. So good for the original poster, as well as pretty much everyone in this story, for having a good head on their shoulders. Because under different circumstances and leadership, this could have ended very badly. Thanks for watching. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications so you never miss a video. To finish listening to all the stories, use the playlist at the top of the description. And if you like Am I the Jerk, you're probably going to love Am I the Genius. Check it out in the description below and subscribe.